You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 366. He's Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com, and we are going to talk about the Eagles' week 11 win in Kansas City over the Chiefs. Huge win for the Eagles, and Brandon doesn't like calling it a Super Bowl rematch because they're not. it's not in the Super Bowl again, but... These were the two teams that, of course, played in the Super Bowl last year. Eagles win. We'll get to all that in a minute. Before we do, Brandon and I will see you all at Wrong Crowd Beer in Westchester, PA, on November 30th. If you're not there, you're a loser. Wow. Okay, maybe not. But just go there and don't and be a winner. Right. Uh, because we will be there. We're going to watch the Cowboys-Seahawks Thursday night. It's a Thursday, November yep. 30th. Uh, Cowboys, Cowboys, Seahawks Thursday night game because why not? We can't hang out with you guys during an Eagles game because we're busy. Uh, so let's do the next best thing, which is go on a Thursday when you can all root against the Cowboys in what could be a meaningful game uh, that week. So meet us there, Wrong Crowd Beer, uh, Westchester, PA. Again, WrongCrowdBeer.com if you want to order from them online or just stop by anytime. They have it's a restaurant as well. It's a brewery. You can sit back, have a few beers. Some laughs, some good times. At the very least, you'll also get to yes. see a little preview of what the Seahawks look like. The Eagles will play them, what, like two weeks after that? So you get a, you know, future scattering report of an Eagles up because the Eagles will play the Cowboys the week right after that on the four week four. That's a week 13 right. game. This one we're talking about for the watch party. Eagles and Cowboys will play in week 14. So you get obviously a look at the Cowboys too. And then week 15, Eagles and Seahawks will play in Seattle. So you kind of get a little upcoming scouting report. But also, it's just a great time to have some fantastic beers if you're 21 plus at Wrong Crowd. And also, I'm very excited, Jimmy, to finally try the bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. Okay. I'm going honestly. Yeah. You're going. I know you love the jalapeno poppers. I don't know if I love them yet, but I'm guessing I will. Uh, Oh, that's right. yeah, that's right. You were yes. you were saying the pictures look our, good. Our who good who actually Alex got them? Got was them. it? Uh... Uh, he said they were awesome. So oh, yeah, right. very okay. excited for that. Wrongcrowdbeer.com. Okay, Jimmy, the Eagles beat the Chiefs just like I predicted that they would. You were a doubter. You were a hater. <laughs> and it was honestly another easy win for the Philadelphia Eagles, just like it's been the whole year. No drama <laughs> whatsoever. Um, no, it was, it was really a game where I think everyone had – the same reaction, which was, how did the Eagles win that game? Like you, you're looking at the score. The Eagles are ahead, but you're like, how? How, 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 did, how are they ahead? How did they win this game? How did they win the game, Jimmy? Well, they shut them out in the second half. <laughs> I mean, the the defense played great in the second half of this game. They did not play very well in the first. They, they didn't see, I, would, I shouldn't say that. I didn't think they played that, that badly in the first half. I thought the offense played badly in the first half. I didn't like a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the play calling in the first half. I thought that got better in the second half. But when you compare what happened in this game to what happened in the Super Bowl, Chiefs, second half of the Super Bowl, four drives. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And then it the fourth one probably they wanted a to touchdown, a but they just drained. Yeah, <laughs> but they just drained all the clock out and they and they kicked a, a walk-off field goal, of course. And then Monday night, uh, their possessions went like, went like this. Punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt. 
turnover on downs. Now they did get some luck. Let's just call it what it is. When Marquez Valdez Scantling dropped a deep ball that was in his hands. Um, I'm sure. And Eagles fans don't have to certainly feel, nobody has to feel bad for the chiefs, particularly Eagles fans who have seen games wrecked by drop passes. Nelson Aguilar against the Falcons, Jalen Rager against the giants. We go down that long lived JJ Ortega Whiteside against uh, the lions yep. uh, in 2018. I think it was. So, We've seen plenty of Eagles games lost because of drop drop deep balls at the end of games. So you don't have to feel bad about winning a game that way. <laughs> and then, you know, that they got the two big turnovers. One of them was in the first half, the Kevin Byard interception of Patrick Mahomes in the red zone and mm. the Bradley Roby punch out of Travis Kelsey in the second half. Two huge plays by a couple of guys that the Eagles got in season. Like they signed Bradley Roby off the street. Uh, early in October, they traded, of course, for Kevin Byard uh, at the end of October. So two guys that were not on the roster, you know, week one, week two, week three, come in and make sort of game-changing play. They don't probably don't win that game without those two plays. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, n- nice pickups there by by Harry Roseman and the Eagle scouting staff. And they came in and, and you know, certainly did their part in, in what was a game against you know, obviously a, a Super Bowl contending opponent. A uh, lot to react to there. I'm going to start with the defense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. We've seen now in two games this year, Sean Desai go up against, you know, a kind of like, it's different. The Chiefs offense has obviously been struggling this year, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Andy Reid coming off the bye. Um, and to shut them out, I know obviously they got close to scoring, but still to, and then for in the Cowboys game, what they allowed just six points in the second half of that game. So you go up against the Cowboys and the chiefs and you only allow six points in those, the second half of those games. Like that's in, incredible stuff. What did the Dolphins score? Did they score in the second? I'm sure they did, but I don't remember. I don't think it was much. I don't, I remember. mean, they only gave up 17 points total to the Dolphins. And one of those was a defensive touchdown. Right. So, um, you know, really impressive stuff. I thought from the defense, you know, you talk, people want to talk about all the time about halftime adjustments. I mean, there they are for you, at least in terms of the results, um, really impressive stuff. It is hard not to compare the situations to the Super Bowl in terms of the previous defensive coordinator here, Jonathan Gannon, like mm-hmm. the, the biggest criticism of him was that he just, you know, couldn't go up against a top quarterback and stay in a chance. And it's not even about like shutting Patrick Mahomes down in the Super Bowl. It's not keeping him to like zero touchdowns, three interceptions. No one's realistically expecting that. It's just that can you make him not totally obliterate you? And Sean Desai has now gone up against, you know, multiple top quarterbacks. And obviously Dak had a lot of success against the Eagles, but um it in within reason shut down Tua, within reason shut down or kept Patrick Mahomes to a pretty inefficient performance as far as his standard goes. And you talked about how benefited from the drop but also like part of that is by design in terms of when you take away Travis Kelsey and yet and which is what we said they needed to do and you start mm-hmm. having uh you're asking Patrick Mahomes to beat you with his lesser receivers well guess what they're not going to make those plays all the time especially if you end up doing what the Eagles did um not so much early on when the Chiefs were running the ball way too effectively but later on when Andy Reid kind of abandoned the run slash the Chiefs didn't want to go with that um if you make him throw the ball a lot Patrick Mahomes and you make him do it to his lesser receivers you're going to get some breaks there probably at some points where they're not going to be able to catch that's been it's been an issue for them all the season 
this hasn't been like an un and she you know Kapadia made a good point this on the um the ringers Philly special but like this is not an atypical performance from the chiefs this year in terms of like the eagles getting lucky that the chiefs were just not you know had an off night like they've had these kind of issues especially when teams have been able to take away travis kelsey and the eagles did a great job of doing that and i think you know again it is luck to some extent but it's also deserved luck because you know travis kelsey it's different kind of player you're not going to see travis kelsey streaking down the field like that um but if you take him away um then you're gonna, that's going to happen. The lesser receivers are not always going to be able to step up. I did look that up, by the way. They did shut out the Dolphins in uh, week seven in the second half. They shut out their Dolphins offense. They got their pick six right. in the second half, but they shut out the Dolphins offense in the second half. So it's not just about having you know game plans for these great quarterbacks mm-hmm. that you know try to force them into making plays as opposed to just sitting back and letting you pick and letting them pick you apart in the short to intermediate areas of the, of of the field, (laughs) like so many teams did against Jonathan Gannon. It's also about second half adjustments, Mm -hmm. which Sean Desai has really shown that he can do in his short tenure here so far in Philly, whereas Jonathan Gannon did not like, he just was going to roll out his defense. And that was that. And if if he was getting picked apart in the first half, that was going to continue in the second half. So we've seen Sean, Sean Desai adjust to what he's seen in the first half and, and, you know, made, made adjustments and, and the defense has played a lot better. One thing I will say on the luck front is how the hell is Andy Reed punting on fourth and three from the Eagles 39, 39, like not even plus 40. Kick, I mean, kick a field goal there at a minimum. I was watching Harrison Butker and Jake Elliott kick to that side of the field. And that was the harder side to kick to the wind was kind of going like if you're looking at the upright, it was mostly going like in that direction. It was mostly going right to left, but there's also a little bit of a of a headwind uh, as well. So <laughs> some good wind like, analysis by you. Yeah, because um, and I know I only know that because every time they shot the fireworks off, the fi- like the smoke came directly at the press box. Mm. So it was kind of funny to watch the smoke. It was like, no, it's going to get us. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I knew exactly what direction the wind was going. Um, but I, I watched both of those guys warm up prior to the game, and they're both hitting them from, you know, 55 or whatever. These guys can, like, you know, make those kinds of long field goals these days. Like, you know, like it's not really that big of a deal. And, by the way, the one that Jake Elliott hit the, the crossbar and went, or the upright and went through mm. on the PAT, that was to that end of the field. Mm. So, anyway, um, even but forget the field goal. Like, just go for it there. Fourth and three from the 39? Are you kidding? You have Patrick Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey, your run game is working if you want to go that direction? Right. What the... What what the F are you doing <laughs> punting in that situation? Like, there could not have been a single person on the Eagles' sideline, whether it be player, coach, water boy, whatever, right. that when they saw the punter come out, they weren't like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, and you have to be shocked to see the punter coming out. And I couldn't believe I saw T- Tommy Townsend's the Chiefs. I couldn't believe I saw him coming out on the hey, field I mean, in that situation. Andy's insane. Not, but Andy, that's who Andy is to some level. Andy, like, Andy's obviously a really good coach, but is he the most aggressive coach in the league? He's not. Like, he's probably, you know, one of the more, you know, obviously – like just best head coaches in terms of design and everything, but I don't think he's necessary. He's not like leading the aggressive charts every year. So that's like the downside of Andy, you know, kind of maybe more of the old school mentality showing up there. Yeah. I mean, just, just a crazy lucky uh, situation there for the Eagles, in my opinion, that they, that they did not. And then they wind up, they punted into the end zone. Yeah. Um, It was actually a good punt, but they just kind of messed up trying to down it inside the five. And 
it's a net punt of 19 yards <laughs> coming out. To, it's crazy. Like they are really fortunate that they did just that they just didn't go for it in that situation. Sure. Um, what do you have next? Um, let's talk about Jalen Hurts because it was a weird game in that you know he didn't. I thought he didn't look comfortable early on, and he didn't actually scramble against the blitz the entire game. I saw that stat. Jeff McLean put that out. It's a little okay. bit weird. Um, that sounds right. Yeah, I thought he was dropping his eyes a lot. wasn't really seeing the field well. And in fairness to him, uh, you're going up against Spags, who's going to blitz a lot and throw a lot of different looks at you. So, also you're playing in Arrowhead. That's absolutely relevant in terms of harder to communicate, and the crowd noise is getting to you too. That makes those blitzes, I think, even that much more effective and everything. So it's a tough spot. Um, but I think there's absolutely something to be said. For <clears throat> Jalen Hurts and his resilience, and there's that stat going around about how like he is has won seven straight games where he's been down by ten points, and that's like the most by any NFL quarterback since 1991. No other quarterback has like four straight like that. That's not just I know one score games. There's a lot of luck stuff going on. I don't think that's just what's happening here. I mean, Jalen Hurts, like he doesn't. There's people, there's players who absolutely crumble and they, they under pressure. They think they let things snowball and spin out of control. And Jalen Hurts is not going to let that happen. He is the temperature just stays cool. It stays what it is. And I think the team kind of takes on that personality and they feel like, hey, we're going to be OK. Like We don't need to panic. It's going to be all right. We're in a hole right now. We're just going to go play by play. We'll dig ourselves out of it because we've done it before. And sure enough, they did it again. And obviously he wasn't perfect. I thought the interception wasn't It's another one of these plays this year where it's like not totally on him because it seems like there was a miscommunication there and AJ wanting to go deep, but Jalen was expecting AJ to kind of stay where he was at and the route he was supposed to run in that play. Um, but outside of that, and obviously he got strip sacked too at one point and was fortunate to recover. That's kind of just mm-hmm. some luck in the Eagles favor. But on the whole, I thought he was composed. He ultimately made a huge throw on a check to Devontae Smith when he needed to that set the Eagles up for their go-ahead touchdown there. And, um, you know, it's kind of – there was a big discourse I saw on Twitter, like, because Jalen Hurts is the MVP odds favorite now. And, you know, you have people like uh, Stephen Ruiz of the Ringer was like, what's this award even become? Um, Stephen Ruiz uh, <laughs> noted Jalen Hurts skeptic. So um, – <laughs> But like, is that what he sounds like when he talks in real uh, life? Maybe I don't. I've never heard him talk, <laughs> but it, it just sounded very dramatic. Is the way he tweeted it, and it's just like I think when people do that, I know quarterback wins are kind of reductive at some level, but he's done it so much now that you can't just say it's mere coincidence. Like he is the driver of a lot of those wins, and this was not his A game or one of his best games ever. In fact, it's one of his not so great games ever, but. He is like the catalyst for a lot of this in my mind. Yeah, he's 14 to 22 for 150, no touchdowns and the one interception that you mentioned. Um so, you know, those those numbers aren't going to impress anyone. And you know, 12 carries for 29 yards, two touchdowns. Interestingly, a, a few designed runs in there, which is seemingly a good sign for what his knee is and will be for the rest of the season. Um <clears throat> so again, like those numbers aren't going to they're not going to wow anyone, but that touchdown throw that you mentioned where where it was you know it was an audible um you know pre, it was a check pre snap also just what he does on that play too 
where he's looking left side the whole way after he gets, and he's go he's going right side the mm-hmm. entire like there, there's there's no doubt he's going to Devonte Smith on that play, but he gets the snap, he looks left the entire way, and then boom, he comes back and he knows he's going to have Devonte basically on a safety <laughs> streaking down the field, and you know I thought the throw was good, not great, like it was a little underthrown, but so what when when you're Winning games, like Nick Sirianni mentioned after after the game was over, like there are certain you know, if a quarterback can make three four plays with his mind uh, over the course of a game, then you know they're gonna he's gonna put his his team in a in a great situation to win, and that's what Jalen Hurts did on that play. That is big time quarterback mm-hmm. play in that situation to to make that check and to look off the safety and then to make the throw. Uh, you know, again, good not great throw, but good enough. To, to get him down. Like a great throw scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. They get down to the one and they brother, they brotherly shove it in from there. But yeah, uh, to your point, he just, he just wins games in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. And it, there's, there's a skill to that. There, there's a skill to just winning games, no matter what it takes. And, and like, no matter how you do it. And like, there are just so many stats out there now <laughs> that one just more impressive than the next. Like they're, 20 and two when this, you know, 18 and two when this, and you know, like what was the one that you just mentioned? Uh, the, the one the where down, down by 10, yeah, down by 10, seven straight wins, yeah. And then there's some where, like, the la- there's they're they've won how many straight games against teams with winning records? I think that's like uh 13, and that's like an NFL record, yeah. I mean, so the, the I remember For- like a, a lot of the discourse last year. Was they're not beating any any good teams? Yeah. Well, I said that. You're not hearing that. You're not hearing that this year. Well, I said that. Sorry. <laughs> like previously, earlier in his career, when like like who was the best yeah. quarterback he's gone up against? You know, right. I don't want right. To, you don't you don't want it to be like a Kirk Cousins thing where he just beats all the bad teams and he loses to all the good th- teams. But I mean, even even last year, like during the season, just the team right. in general was just like everyone was kind of you know downplaying mm-hmm. what what they're. I mean, they were blowing teams out last year. But they were kind of downplaying what they were doing because they hadn't beaten like you know any kind of like Super Bowl contenders. Well, this year they have wins against the Dolphins, they have wins against the Cowboys, they have a win against the Chiefs, like three legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And you know, did they blow any of those teams out? Not really. I think the Dolphins game was kind of comfortable, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they were close games. Doesn't matter. Like they're getting the job done. They're nine and one, and every other team in the NFL, with the exception of the Lions, has at least three losses. Jalen Hurts is the fourth quarterback since 1970 merger to start nine and one or better in back-to-back seasons. Fourth, the other quarterbacks: Peyton Manning, John Elway, and Jim Kelly. And Jalen Hurts is the youngest quarterback from that group to ever do it. Like that's, it's just crazy company that he's in to keep. And um, I definitely think he's a big part of it. I want to talk about Brian Johnson as well before we take a break okay. here. So I'm kind of well, real quick, one more one more quick thing on on Hertz. I, I I happen to think like that interception. I think that's on AJ Brown. Like he's he's throwing I... to where he's throwing the route yeah. that is in the that, that's on the play. And you know AJ Brown puts his hand up. They call that right. mailbox. Like <laughs> like I'm going deep, mm-hmm. but it's playing quarterback in the NFL is so hard. Where now you're going to add an element to like if the receiver just feels like going deep, mm-hmm. then you should see it and you throw it deep to him. Like come on, especially when just you're run, getting you blitzed. Got, you got to run the route. And like you said, like uh, early in the game in particular, he was getting all kinds of different looks. I think the offensive line didn't play well in the in the first half. Yeah. Jason Kelsey, I think, said on somebody's podcast today or yesterday or whatever, maybe it was on, I don't know, that like they had some, uh, like the noise was a factor, as you mentioned, and then also like some of their communication was off 
in the and they got it fixed at halftime, and mm. the offensive line played a lot better in the second half, and as a result, also so did you know Jalen Hurts. Um, but I also think Hurts made other good throws in this game that like the the deep ball to AJ Brown mm-hmm. is usually a touchdown. And I don't know exactly what happened on that play. I don't know if AJ lost it in the lights or he just didn't track it uh, well or or what or what happened there. But that was a good ball. And normally that throw is a touchdown. So his numbers probably like look a lot better if that goes in the stat sheet as a touchdown well, and more yards e- and whatever. Even if just the Devontae catch, you know, goes one more yard. Like you said, like you know yeah, what I mean he didn't right. Right. When they touch like Jalen Hurts has kind of had that problem for a while in terms of his like his touchdown numbers being suppressed because they'll get it close to the one yard line. They're not gonna throw it. They're gonna you know that's why he has so many rushing touchdowns. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um so oh, anyway. Only to Brian Johnson. The much maligned Brian Johnson. I've been on Brian Johnson Island the whole year, baby. And I'm staying here because look, was this an A plus <laughs> game from Brian Johnson? No. There was a lot of bad there were a lot of questionable moments. You come out from halftime, and that first series was just like, "Are you kidding me?" They go three and out, oh, screen, screen, and uh, quarterback. I mean, not even screen, but like bubble, you know, bubble screen, and then bubble screen to the other side, and then what was the third play? Well, I thought that was three straight runs at the beginning of the first, uh, the first third quarter there. But then there was that drive when they were backed up against their own end zone which is the one where they had the bubble screen to Devante on the left. It almost gets like blown up and turned into an interception. And then they go right yeah. back to oh, it. That's, that's, the, that's the drive I'm thinking Yeah, they of. go yeah. right back to it. To the other side of the field, to Julio Jones. Why are we, what are you doing? <laughs> Why, we're asking Julio Jones to be a, a, a yards after the catch monster now? Like what? Like, what <laughs> right. is that call? Right. Um, and then I, I forget what even happened on top of my head on third down. But the point is like, obviously there was. It was kind of a give up play. I think it was a little middle screen. Think, yeah, to, you're right. To. Which I think that that was a fine play call, but everyone was already super mad already at the first two plays of that uh-huh. series that, like, that wasn't going to make up for it. It's just, there were times, I mean, they obviously were not great in this game. However, I don't think people are properly contextualizing that the Chiefs have a really good defense. I said in the preview podcast, no yeah. team has allowed fewer points than this team this season. The entering week 11, the Chiefs were giving up just 14.7 offensive points per game. That was only below the Ravens who were at 13 points per game and 21 points that the Eagles scored is the second most points that any team has scored on the Chiefs this year and only the Broncos had more at 24 so like I mean I just I'm not ready to like be like fire Brian Johnson after he just put up one of the best performances of any team against the Chiefs defense this year I do think you know things obviously didn't feel amazing along the way I do think they could have been better I think it's fair to criticize some of the play calling. Absolutely. But this idea, again, that he's just like a buffoon and they have to get rid of him or give the play calling back to Nick Sirianni, which I I don't even know why people say that as like an amazing option because it wasn't really great when we saw that. He wasn't good at it. So like, (laughs) how was that going to fix everything? Um, And then also I hate, I think a little bit has too much has been made of, well, Brian Johnson didn't call any plays because the play that went to Devante was a check by Jalen Hurts. I mean, that goes both ways, though. I'm sure there have been plays where Brian Johnson maybe had a good play dialed up and Jalen Hurts checked to something and it didn't work. Right. But you don't hear about that. You don't hear about that time. And Brian Johnson probably got heat for the one that didn't work. That's what too, I mean. So, like, it's just I think Brian Johnson <laughs> is, like, set up to fail in a lot of the discourse here. So I am going to remain firmly entrenched on Brian Johnson Island and say that um, he didn't have an amazing game. But I do think he made some adjustments. And he obviously did just enough to help the Eagles have a performance 
this year that measures up very well against what the Chiefs have been able to do to other offenses this season. So I think there is room for criticism for Brian Johnson to be clear. I also I do, agree. I, I just think it's over the top. Yes. Like any, anything bad that happens on game day right. is Brian Johnson. Yeah, it's fault. become it's the, the and that's fault. what I'm I'm r- r- like rallying against. Sorry to cut you off, but that's like it's just anything that goes no, wrong, with Brian good. Johnson. It's just like <clears throat> yep. it's tired. It's just like it's become the talking point for. I think I'm not trying to again. I don't like to gatekeep fandom, but I'm saying I think maybe some people who don't even like follow the team as closely and they're just like well brian johnson just like anytime anything bad happens and it's just like okay this isn't like the level of analysis that i think is really fun or great going on if just it's everything is his fault one more thing i would like to mention too like just going back this isn't brian johnson later but just going back to um you know the close games that you mentioned how they're winning a lot of close games and i don't know if that equates to uh you know maybe they're not that good and I've seen like a comparison to them and the 13 and four Vikings of a year ago and GTFOH with that, oh. like the Vikings. I mean, I think they had two games. I want to say where they won by double digit points and all the rest were one score games, but the games they lost. Yeah. I mean, they were getting annihilated. Like they lost 24 to seven. I remember to the Eagles to the and Eagles. that seven came like that was garbage time. There, there was the the Cowboys absolutely destroyed them like forty in their something own building to, in like, Minnesota, in the teens. and then uh, there were two. There, well, obviously there were two other games that they lost in the regular season. They were, they were both mostly blowouts, and then they got beat by Daniel Jones yep. in the playoffs. So like that was not, and you know, they had a negative point differential on the season. So like this is a team that we all kind of knew at the time wasn't good and was going to be vulnerable in the playoffs. It's not what this Eagles team is is this year. It's not even close. Like this Eagles team, they're nine and one, first of all. So they have a much better record than the Vikings did a year ago. But like it's it's a team that is winning in, in a variety of different ways, offensively, defensively, even on special teams, uh that have been helping uh this year as well. So it's a complete team that you know hasn't really put together a complete game necessarily in all three phases for all four quarters, but they've gotten plays from each side of the ball and they've gotten them at the right times and they're winning games because they're good. And also yeah, they've beaten teams with like winning records and they've beaten, you know, again, it's not the Kirk Cousins corollary going on here. That's not what's happened. And also, they have a track record. Like, what did the Vikings ever do? Like, before last season, even. You know what I mean? They, there's no like history of them going deep into the playoffs or anything. Like, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Like, just, yeah, not, <laughs> also true, not yeah. really a good comparison. It's, it's kind of the same team that they had last year, minus a few of their, you know, lesser starters, of course, that they lost in free agency. And I, you know, I I think it's fair to wonder, like, you know, can they keep it up? Because it's hard to win one score games like that. I don't think it's all skill. I think there is obviously some level of fortune in there. We talked about the fumble luck they've had the past two games. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, and I said this to RJ Ochoa on the NFC East Mixtape podcast here in the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. So I'm going to repeat it again. Like, They've afforded themselves such a cushion being here at nine and one where they still have time to figure that stuff out. Like they've bought themselves time to figure out how we can be better and if they can be better. So there is hope for them in that they have uh, room to work with if they do happen to slip up and lose a game here or there. So that's really valuable. Okay. Why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? All right. So I'll send us to break by saying we will be back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company, 
in addition to being us being brought to you by them, we are also brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Holidays are coming up, Jimmy. We got Thanksgiving in a couple of days here, but you know the December holidays and whatnot will be happening in a month or so ish, depending on which ones you do or don't celebrate. Why not get a great holiday gift by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. What a great stocking stuffer idea. You know, you put some uh, packet of some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, some of the meat sticks in there as well. Fits perfectly into a stocking. I guarantee you the person in your life receiving those will enjoy them. I feel very confidently about that. RightToSellin.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. They ship fast. They are great when it comes to customer service. Um, no reason not to try Righteous Selling Craft Jerky. The same meat snacks that fuel your 9-1 Philadelphia Eagles. So if it's good enough for the Eagles, it must be good enough for you too. RightToSellin.com, discount code BGN15, 15% off. Same discount code works at WildRangerPet.com for 15% off dog treats. Okay, Jimmy, next. Yes. Um Let's talk about the pass rush real quick. So they only had one sack on the game, but I thought that, well, a few different players, but particularly Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick had pressure pretty much all night uh, against uh, Juwan Taylor, the right tackle, and Donovan Smith, the left tackle. Those two guys were holding like crazy the entire game. You called it. Like insane. You called it. <laughs> and they, they did get flagged for a couple of them, but they just did it the entire game. And as did... um basically the interior guys on Jalen Carter, but they just, they just held the entire chief. To that point, just held the entire game. Really quick stopping down. I don't know if you saw this during the game, but Daniel Jeremiah tweeted that Daniel Jeremiah, who works for the NFL <laughs> tweeted <laughs> right. that Jalen Carter is being held on every play. Like that's crazy that he just said that. Like this is someone who isn't like a fan, you know, who can just say whatever they want. That's someone who's employed by the league at some level. Right. criticizing their uh, the, not uh, on some level he's employed by the league well, i mean it's not like he works you know for an nfl team directly but he does work for nfl media yes he actually kind of does he, he's the well, that's true he's the color guy for the chargers good point on their on the on the radio so yes so yeah it's crazy that he just said that but anyway you were saying they were holding a lot they're holding like crazy and they call like i said they called a couple of them but they could have called they could have called one on every play, pretty much. And I understand you're not going to throw a flag on every play. But, I mean, they just kept getting away with it and getting away with it. So they kept doing it. And uh, it's got to be really frustrating to have to, you know, rush the passer every down and just be getting, I mean, just blatantly held. And, you know, Hassan Reddick had a sack early in the game. Second play. He the possibility of uh, of the zero sacks t-shirts coming back out uh, after this game. And then late in the game, of course, Josh Sweat has the play where um, he... I mean, he he got chipped on that play, and then he got held on that play, and he still got to Patrick Mahomes. And as Mahomes is going down, Mahomes, of course, tries to throw it away, uh, gets flagged for you know intentional grounding. Josh Sweat not happy uh, after the game with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> for him just you know knowing full well he was gonna you know get a grounding call for that. Um, but yeah, anyway, he as good as a sack. Uh, just as, I mean. It, in my opinion, like intentional grounding, by the way, like if you intentional, it should be like another five yards back from where it happens. Right. You shouldn't just be allowed to throw it away. And okay, the worst case scenario is just the same exact thing that would happen if I if you got sacked. I think it should be additional yardage on top of That's that. That's a good point. Like, yeah, five like yards a, from like, the like spot. Like a really significant, a really significant penalty for doing that. Um, but anyway, Josh Sweat closes out 
the Cowboys game week nine before the bye with the huge sack of Dak Prescott on that final drive when looking at the Cowboys and we're going to win that game. He completely flips the script of that game and the, and the Eagles win. And then in this game, he makes the big play and puts them in a fourth and 25, I think it was, you know, a near impossible, which they actually came close to converting, I guess, <laughs> but uh, put them in a fourth and 25 and, uh, you know, all about all but closed out this game. So he's closed out two games in a row now. And Hassan Reddick has done it in two or three games this year. Those two edge rushers are, I mean, they're star players. Hassan Reddick, we, we know, is, is a star player. But but certainly I think Josh Sweat uh, is in that category now with the way that he's played this season. Yeah, I've been tweeting out Hassan Reddick's on pace stat or like his his stats through this many games this season compared to last year. Because What is that, by the way? What did, they, what did he have this time last year? I'm pulling year? that up here because that, it just blows me away every time because he's ahead of where he was last year which is just insane to think all right so reddick through 10 games in 2022 he had seven and a half sacks 11 quarterback hits six tfls this year in 2023 eight and a half sacks so one more sack 15 quarterback hits four more than last year and then nine Mm -hmm. tfls three more than at this time last year so I mean, yeah, he got he got blazing hot at the end of the year last year, yes. obviously. And again, he started uh, this year. I don't know if we'll replicate that, but he's he's I mean, it's very clear. He's just an awesome player. And going back to 2020, including the playoffs, the most sacks since the beginning of the 2020 season it is from uh, bottom up top five. Nick Bosa, your boy at 43 and a half. <laughs> Trey Hendrickson in fourth place at 48 and a half. Hassan Reddick at 51 and a half. And then the only two players ahead of him, TJ Watt at 55 and a half. And then Miles Garrett was just a freak at 58. So like, that's the company he's in, man. That's crazy. Like sacks aren't the only thing on evaluating an edge rusher, but they're a pretty big part of the puzzle. And Hassan Reddick is just amazing at doing it. I was really happy for him personally when he got that sack on the second play of the game, because it's just like, it had to feel like a weight off. It's like, and also it's very validating that the Super Bowl field was in fact, you know, a big reason why he didn't get a sack. Um, so I, I, th- I was really happy for him in that moment because I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans felt the same way. Cause it's just like, see, yes, that is what we expected to see anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, and they have pressure all night. Like, yes. they, like I said, they only had one sack in the stat sheet, but they, they made Mahomes you know, scramble out of the pocket yep. pretty consistently throughout the night. And on your Reddick point too, like, I, we mentioned this on the last podcast, I think, but you know, he closed out both games against the Commanders yes. and the right tackles, Andrew Wiley, who we faced off against in the Super Bowl. And when we talk about like what is and what isn't lucky when it comes to the Eagles winning, I mean, the, the end of game pass rush coming through, to me, that's not lucky. Like That's like, these pass rushers are elite, and I think they hit another gear late in the game because they know like, mm-hmm. hey, this is it. It's not like I have to save myself for whatever like this is the game so i'm kind of just you're, you're using your best moves you're just empty in the tank at that point and it turns out that not many offensive linemen can stop them in those situations and that is absolutely like earned in terms of what the eagles have like organizationally just what the eagles have invested in they've invested in these elite edge rushers in this pass rush and they are reaping the rewards of that investment that part is not luck that is all intended it is by design um, so credit to them for coming through. I, f- I mean, they're playing a lot of snaps too. Like they each had over 65, yeah, too many. I think. So, but also, I mean, too many, but also they got to be out there. So the, the defense as a whole just played 79 snaps, which is, you know, kind of abnorm- abnormally high. Mm-hmm. 
the Eagles, I think, only played 55 or something like that on offense. Mm-hmm. So, they're, you know, they were outsnapped by like 24, 25 snaps, which is like, you know, not, insign- not insignificant. Uh, but yeah, Josh Sweat was just like after the game in the locker room, he was just sitting there like dead, dead tired. Um, I mean, this is like, you know, 20, 25 minutes after the game is over. He's sitting in his locker, just tired. So, yeah, I mean, they're and they're not going to get a rest mm. for a while because they're going to play a, a ton. They're going to play for as much as necessary against the Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. Maybe the Eagles can get some blowout wins against the Giants, Cardinals and Giants to close out the season. And then hopefully mm-hmm. for them, they can get the the one seed and have that, of course, by week. Uh, in the playoffs and be fresh for, for when, you know, the games really, really matter. But for now they're going to have to play a lot of snaps in all these games going forward. And uh, I think they realized that because I mean, a little underrated, you know, kind of not talked about story is Nolan Smith is barely playing at all. He had five snaps in that game. Brandon Graham at 25. Brandon Graham's out, actually out there quite a bit now with, with Reddick and they have Reddick and sweat rushing off the same mm-hmm. side a number of times with Reddick inside and Josh, uh, sweat outside and Graham in the game on, on the other side. So, um, but Dolan Smith has played, you know, played nine snaps in that game. And it just the, the rhetoric was that he was going to get more playing time going forward, mm-hmm. especially with Derek Barnett being inactive the last couple of weeks, but just hasn't happened. And uh, it's probably not going to happen <laughs> for the foreseeable future. And, you know, while, while they're in this gauntlet of games that, that are, that are so important and so difficult. Yeah. I think it's clear that the coaching staff just doesn't trust him, which is unfortunate, but he also hasn't really given them a lot of reason from what we've seen to, you know, be out there more, which is disappointing, but it is what it is for the time being. And Derek Barnett was out for this game. Uh, due to personal reasons, mm-hmm. a game after he was a healthy scratch. So I don't know what's going on with him. I just, I wish they would like, maybe I wish, well, here's not what I maybe wish they would do. I wish they would cut Derek Barnett. And I haven't closely looked enough at the edge rusher market. I know JPP ended up signing with the saints or whatever, but like, it just feels like that would be a prime spot to add someone like they did, like with, you know, Sue Linval Joseph last year. Like it feels like, can't you find like a guy who can come in and play that Derek Barnett role? who, you know, has, you because you might be kind of cooked. I'm not saying bring back Robert Quinn, but, you know, something like that. Well, honestly, though, I don't know. If you, you might trust Robert Quinn to play more than Nolan Smith or Derek Barnett, um, I'm not pining for Robert Quinn, again, to be clear. But someone of that <laughs> ilk where it's just like, can you just have them come? Or is there anyone intriguing, maybe, on someone's practice squad that you can sign, you know, like they did last year with Janarius Robinson, just, you know, maybe take a chance on someone i don't know that's something i would kind of be looking at if i were them so um especially with sweat and reddick playing so much it just feels like they have to find a way if they can to get those guys a little bit more of a breather here and there i don't know if they can someone we didn't mention Uh, we were on the well before you before you go forward on the adding players front i do think it's interesting that the colts cut shaq leonard sure and he's he's got to pass through waivers which he probably will because if you if you claim him you're taking on his salary which is too high for what he is as a player this year but if he does pass through waivers i could kind of see the eagles going after him at the right price yeah i mean they could use more help at linebacker and he's he's a good pass rusher in his own right Mm. for a linebacker and you know maybe you can use him in some kind of hybrid type i don't know but um i think that's a name to I guess what time will we find out if he passes? Like four p.m. Like today, 4 we'll find out, and then he'll be free to sign. So we'll see. Yeah, 
Anyway, continue on with what you're with where you're going. Uh, we were remiss not to mention DeAndre Swift 40 minutes into this podcast because he had a very <laughs> right. big game. I, it's weird because I thought I thought he could have had an even bigger game. I mean, I mentioned I remember you tweeting at one point he like cut back or did, didn't follow his blocking at one point and kind of messed up and would have had an even bigger gain. And then there was that play late in the game where um, it's third and long and he catches that short pass on an angle route and. Mm-hmm. I guess a little bit unfortunate that, you know, um, the defender gets peels off his block there and is able to get to him, but just feels like maybe he could have done a little bit better of a job to like make that guy miss. And if he does, then he has a whole lot of open field in front of him, maybe even converts that, or at least the very least, you know, favorite, more favorable spot to punt from. So um, I'm not trying to, you know, criticize him too much because I thought he had a good game overall and was, you know, it's him and Devante who are the only ones really doing anything. And you saw the value right. of, swift and the explosiveness and his ability to make people miss at times and that's nice and credit to the eagles i think for sticking with the run like that's absolutely something see it's funny everyone always wants to rip the offensive coordinator or whoever when the team doesn't stick with the run but i very seldom see anyone being like congrats kudos to the person for sticking with the run i don't see anyone get credit for that part of it it's just they get ripped when they don't do it and eagles did stick with the run here it's true and they should have because the chiefs were more vulnerable in that area and uh and not just run but also including you know a screen game in that that i certainly think you know they were vulnerable in that regard as well so i think again that's another good thing that brian johnson identified and did work with and swift capitalized yeah, he had a bunch of memorable plays in this game. He had the touchdown run, of course, where he, he bounced it to the to the right and then just outran the defender. Eagles held on that play, by the way. So I, I mentioned earlier the Chiefs holding. Eagles were holding, too. Just not to the extreme that the Chiefs were, but they were, I think it was called yeah. the same way for both teams where right. they are just letting them play. Um, he had a 17-yard run down to the four on the previous play before his touchdown run. That was a weird play where Hertz was, like, sticking the ball out to hand it to him, and... They were just kind of like that was kind of happening a lot. Each other. <laughs> like that happened multiple times where it was like they were both kind of just holding on to it together. Hertz is like, take it, yeah, man, go, go, go. get out of here. <laughs> and then he got a 17 yard run. And then he had the uh, actually one of the more impressive plays of the game that I actually plan on asking Nick about uh, a little later today was the jet sweep to Swift. Where first of all, he's running across the formation. I don't know if he was full out like full out sprint if he was like just basically hauling ass as, as fast as he can probably backed it off a little bit but the timing of that play where the snap turn handoff boom 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 all like in perfect timing and he, he like he he took the ball like at the snap and Chiefs were totally on like not ready for that and he got around the edge and that wound up being I think a 35 uh yard gain that was one of their bigger bigger plays of the day, obviously. I mean, the second biggest play of the day, with the, you know, after the Devontae 41-yard uh, reception down to the one. But that was a big play that led to a touchdown eventually. And then, like, the, the middle screens, I thought, like like you mentioned, I had said during the game that he, I thought he did a poor job following behind, like, a convoy mm, that he had out yes. in front of him. But he did a better job later in the game on, the, on a similar type play that they had set up really well. I thought that play was really effective. For them, just in terms of uh, like a play call and schematically, it, they they found something uh, against the Chiefs blitz that was open there, and you know they they had two of those screens were really set up well, and one turned into I think a twenty yard gain, and the other one could have gone for more, but it was only just kind of like a modest gain. But yeah, I, I, to to your point, Swift had a big game, and we kind of seen this running game stall 
uh, a little bit over the last month, and it's good to kind of get an, uh, a good one for them uh, under their belt against a Chiefs team that was giving up like four and a half yards per carry. Right. So that's a team that you can take advantage yep. of. Same thing with the Bills, by the way, next week, four and a half uh, yards per, per uh, attempt defensively. Mm. Again, so that they can keep that momentum going uh, against the Bills as well. But they, you know, when you get the run game going, you, you, you're keeping Mahomes on the sideline to, to some degree. And um, yeah, I think that was a priority for them in this game. Uh, to run the ball, not just like, you know, because the passing game wasn't working and they were having trouble with the blitz, but I think they came into this game, you know, sort of you know, wanting to run the ball, and they did, and I think that I thought they did so effectively. And their running back usage was a little different in this one. You had, uh, obviously, still DeAndre Swift as your top back, but this Boston Scott, who got the second, yep. like, non-Swift carry of this game, which I thought was a little interesting. Scott still played the third most running back snaps. Kenny Gainwell was the second guy ahead of him. But Boston Scott had two carries, and Kenny Gainwell only had one for one yard. And the only other Kenny Gainwell touch was not designed as much as it was a dump-off pass. Actually, mm-hmm. kind of a really terrible decision by him to run out of bounds and then stop the clock right. to set up third and 15 late in the second quarter where it's like, okay, you're probably not going to pick up this first down to stay in bounds. So you can at least run some clock or force the chiefs to burn a tie out or whatever there at that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kenny Gainwell, again, he can hold up in pass protection, but everything else, man, it's just, you don't feel good about it. And it just, it makes me a little nervous because like, what if something happens, knock on wood to Swift in game? Like, it's just, I, I, I hate that Rashad Penny's not active. I know like they don't super trust him, whatever. I know it's like not ideal to have someone up on game day who can't really help out in special teams or whatever, but it just seems to me like the value of having him there, especially against these teams that are more vulnerable against the run. And that's going to be your, your plan of attack is to run the ball. Like, I feel like, don't you want him available? Apparently not, but like that's killing me, man. Because again, if something happens to Swift and all of a sudden you're asking Gainwell to get like 10 carries, man, that sucks. That's terrible. That's not a good spot to be in. I'm almost tempted to ask Nick about the game while running out of bounds play just to see if he'll give that same answer again. <laughs> what am I going to bench him after, after one mistake? Yeah. See how many times he can answer that like a question about Gainwell that way. <laughs> well, again, though, it, they kind of have in terms of role, at least like, again, in <laughs> yeah. terms of touches, they have kind of benched him. He has not been getting a whole lot of touches. He had the touchdown run in the Cowboys game, but that was one of his very few touches in that game. Uh, all right. It's not a it's not a game. It's not an Eagles game if I don't complain about Kenny Gainwell in some form. <laughs> it's on a BGN radio podcast. Well, Quez is on IR, so he's off your radar for now. So it's, it's all, your your focus is solely on Kenny. Well, they're gonna need Quez when he gets back, which potentially <laughs> could be as soon as this week. It seems like he was doing some um uh like off the to side work in practice last week. He mm-hmm. is eligible to come off from IR as well. He was for week 11. They didn't activate his window before the Chiefs game. We'll see if they do that before the uh, this week. Uh, we'll certainly find that out soonish, potentially by the time the podcast is published. I thought it was noteworthy, by the way, like under the radar that the Eagles did not place Dallas Goddard on IR before the Chiefs game, mm-hmm. which is good news for his potential return, because if they were worried that he was going to miss automatically four games then they would have put him on there and have the Chiefs game counted towards that for week 11 week 12 week 13 and week 14 by not putting him on there that seems to signal that at the very least they have hope that he can return for that week 14 game against the Cowboys Mm -hmm. maybe sooner we'll see maybe week 13 against the Niners I do think by the way missing Goddard in this game as I go into more into my Brian Johnson defense 
was an especially bad time not to have him, you know, for a team that's going to blitz you a lot and you would like to get the ball out quick and short to someone like Goddard, a safety valve, or if you're keeping him in, you know, one of your better blockers, an extra blocker to have there. Um, Certainly not a good time to miss him. And it's kind of weird how the Eagles, I think, went about uh, replacing him. Not like totally shocking, but all of a sudden, like Julio Jones is your wide receiver three now. It's not Alamed Zacchaeus. And um, Jack Stoll didn't play a ton, but he is your top tight end. And he obviously wasn't really utilized much at all in the passing attack. Uh, Grant Calcaterra got banged up on this one again. So you ended the game with just Stoll and Albert O as your only two tight mm-hmm. ends. So that's not ideal. Um, the Eagles did bring. And they're missing, they missing Nick Bolton. Sure. So they have, you know, one of their starting linebackers that maybe you take advantage of that yep. matchup in the passing game. Uh, and in some of those screens too, you like, obviously your tight end screen is a play you mm-hmm. liked a lot. So yep. not that uh, Swift wasn't effective, but just even another wrinkle and option off of that. So, not ideal, but it is what it is. Uh, the Chiefs were missing a top player, as you just mentioned, to Nick Bolton, so that stuff evens out. But I just think it was an especially bad time with the blitz and everything. Okay, let's take another break here. We'll be back after this. Back here on BreeGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company and Righteous Felon Craft Jerky is also brought to you by Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Mm-hmm. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Call or text her at that number if you are looking to buy or sell your home. Because Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors was voted on by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe. And I am not lying about that in any way. Totally true. God was like, yo, Kristen Roach, best ever. You know how big the universe is? Like it's you can't even it's hard to even wrap your mind around how big it is how far back in time it goes and wormholes and future like time travel through the future multiverse to for Kristen Roach to be the best realtor in the history of the universe I mean way goes way beyond just being the best realtor in the, in the history of earth but the universe too it really says something with how, how good she is as a realtor she doesn't listen to the podcast right I don't think she's ever listened to certainly never a full episode. Right. I, think she's I mean, probably... she loves the podcast. You know, she she appreciates yeah. it, but she can't listen because sure. she's too busy helping out her clients. She doesn't have the time. Exactly. Which is exactly. the real reason. But um so I, I preface that because I feel like you should get her for Christmas like a little plaque or like a little like, you know, diploma <laughs> thing or something <laughs> that is like, you know, that shows and then you can officially, you know, Prove it to okay. everyone here, and you can tweet out a picture, and then you know everyone can have the hard evidence that she did win that award or an, an actual. I like award. that idea. Okay, just an idea. I think I think she think does she knows the bit. She, she I'm sure she hears you say that on, you know, from when you're. Yeah, she probably almost preferred not to hear what I'm saying mm. because she probably wouldn't rubber stamp some of the things I say. <laughs> <laughs> they would not be approved. Mm-hmm. So I think she's just fine with, you know, out of out of sight, mm-hmm. out of earshot, yeah. out of mind. Okay. Well, I think you should get it for her, whether she's okay. in on the bid or not. Okay. Um, what's your next thing, Jimmy? Yeah, I think just from big picture with, uh, you know, the game in the books at this point. Again, I mentioned earlier, every team in the NFL has at least three losses now with the exception of the Lions. Like if you're... You know, the Lions, Cowboys, 49ers, you all win your games on week 11. You, get, you, you look forward to, you know, watching the Eagles game against the Chiefs. 
probably, you know, expecting, at least hoping that the Chiefs are going to win that game. Certainly during the first half of that game, you're thinking, okay, the Chiefs are going to win this game. It's got to be a huge bummer (laughs) to to watch the Eagles pull that out in the second half and you gain no ground on them uh, in week 11. And, you know, the the Eagles are now two games through this, you know, hard six-game gauntlet, 2-0, off to a great start. Have still have the Bills and 49ers at home, and then the, the Cowboys and the Seahawks on the road, and then it's easy straight thereafter. And, you know, conversely, you have the Cowboys who, you know, had their two super easy games, and they took care of business in, in those games against the Panthers and the Giants. Now they have the Commanders on Thanksgiving. In theory, that should be an easy game, too. Mm-hmm. And then it gets really hard for them. I don't have their schedule up in front of me, but it's it's a very difficult schedule for like four or five, I think five games, actually. Um, you don't happen to have that up by any chance, do you? Well, they, we know they play the Seahawks, as I already previously mentioned, on the, mm-hmm. the which is the uh, watch party at Wrong Crowd Beer Company in Westchester. So come out. You'll be watching that with us if you're listening to this, presumably. Um, and then they play the Eagles, obviously host them in Dallas. They get the Bills in Buffalo. They have to play the Dolphins in Miami. And then they host yeah. the Lions in Week 17. That's a tough stretch. <laughs> It'll be interesting a, a Cowboys Lions game down the down the road. It'll be interesting to see like which like it might be a little icky having to root for the Cowboys in that game, but that's a possibility. I, I mean, you yeah, but you I think you easily do that though. I mean, like if it's 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 kind of it's fun though. It's it's almost fun. It's like hey Cowboys, <laughs> like thanks for the one seed, you know, like hey yeah, it's like kind of I think it's kind of fun to do that. It's fun to root for the yeah. Cowboys when you know it it benefits the Eagles in a huge way in the bigger picture. And kind of cements the Cowboys' status as uh, well. That's uh, yeah. I think that's even more fun, though. I, I don't think it's icky. I think it's fun because the Cowboys are like <laughs> limiting themselves in that spot. They're they're winning to spite themselves in a way. Um, and locking. I mean, it's it's good for the Cowboys in the sense that if you RJ has been talking about this, you know, if they can't get the one seed, then obviously they really want the five seed again because you get to play probably the Saints or the Falcons, who are the right. Bucks again this year, whoever. The the whoever wins, yeah, they're going to beat whoever wins the NFC South, yeah. right? So you would prefer that. It's still kind of like a loser mentality to me that like you're like yeah, you know we're we're getting excited about the five seed, five seed, what what win a win a meaningless game and then blow it to the Forty ers or whoever the next week again. That, that probably would be the well. I should note like the Eagles. We're we're actually talking about this in the elevator. Uh, after the game was over, the, the other media people were like, the, Cow- the Eagles were super lucky to get the Giants in the first round in the, for their first game last year. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they, they have that luck again or if they have to play a, a team like the Cowboys. Because if the Cowboys are the five seed and they win, um, I mean, they only advance because the Giants beat, you know, the Giants were the, uh, I guess they were, they were the seven seed. Yeah. And they beat the two seed in the Vikings. So you can't really count on that happening again. Um, so if the Cowboys are the five no, seed, Giants were the six seed, Seahawks were the seven seed. Okay, then the Vikings. Okay, the Vikings were the three seed mm-hmm. then. Okay, and then the the Niners were the two seed, and they got to play. What garbage the Seahawks, team did they play? They beat this. They blew out ah, the Seahawks. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, so like if the if the Niners were to win, and whoever the three seed is were to win, I guess that would be the Lions. Um, and the Cowboys won. The Eagles are playing the Cowboys in the, in the divisional round. I don't think that's ideal. You know, Vikings to win a playoff game. They're frisky as the as a wild card, as a number seven seed potentially. 
And then I guess the sixth seed will be the Seahawks. So the Seahawks, are, you know, you have the Seahawks playing the Lions. I think the Seahawks the might. I'm, I'm worried they're going to collapse out. I think they're just going to. I don't think they're good. I think they might fall you. out. I think like I don't know who would. I, I think the Packers. See, there's no there's there's no real teams that are within striking. The Packers distance are. Of, they have a really. If you look at their schedule, they have a really easy schedule. I know they stink, but if you look at their schedule, there's teams that are like even worse than them. They get to play. Like the, what are they? Four and six. Yeah. But like they play a really easy schedule. Look at it. Like look at their schedule. I'm telling you. The Seahawks you. are what six and four yeah. now. Yeah. So mm. I think the Seahawks could put still. Tough. And the Seahawks have a really tough schedule <laughs> by uh, contrast. Well, yeah. They. I mean, we already mentioned they play the Cowboys, the Cowboys so and they, they play the they Eagles. Play the 49ers <laughs> so, like, they play the Forty Nine ers twice. They play the Forty Nine ers twice still. So like, yeah. they might collapse. They could. They could fall apart. Yeah. Um. Which. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're getting in the weeds with that. But the Eagles' playoff percentages, you know, because they won a game with only now seven remaining, did actually improve, even though everyone held serve. I looked at the New York Times playoff simulator. So their chances of making the playoffs from nine above 99% to above 99% still, obviously. Really good stuff yeah. for just making it. Uh, chances of winning the NFC East actually went up from 88 to 93%. Chances of getting the one seed okay. went from 65 to 71%. So obviously we talked about leading up to the game how the common games tiebreaker, if that comes into play with the Lions at some point, which it conceivably could, the fact that the Eagles beat the Chiefs means that the Lions do not have that edge over the Eagles potentially anymore because the Lions beat the Chiefs obviously in week one and Speaking of that tiebreaker, the Lions notably lost to the Seahawks, who the Eagles have yet to play and could potentially beat them and then get that t- valuable tiebreaker uh, over Detroit as well, working behind the conference record. So, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are in a good spot here still. Um, we Everyone's been talking about the gauntlet, and, I mean, they're undefeated during it if you want to go, I mean, go back to Miami, right? Like you talk about, because that's kind of where it started to begin for some people was like, they play Miami. Yeah, I don't like that argument, because you have the Commanders mixed in there, too. And I know the well, Commanders play the right. Eagles tough, it was but in, that team stinks. It, it was in Landover uh, as well. <laughs> I, I can't include that team as part of the as part of, part of the gauntlet. They took them to overtime garbage. in week four, but I agree. <laughs> I get what you're saying. But then they played the Cowboys. But anyway, even if we want to put it at the post-buy thing, obviously they've won the first game here. And I think that gives them the breathing room probably to go like two and two here in these next four games. I think you can like if you go two and two in these next four and then obviously you have to take care of business against yeah, the final yeah. three teams. But assuming they can do that, um, I, I think two and two is really like that's that's at the very least. And you probably probably need to split those Eagles or sorry, the 49ers Cowboys game. Right. You can't go like you don't want to go. Two and two against this four with the wins being the Bills and the Seahawks. Like I feel like right. I think ideally you'd win at, you'd win at least one of the games against the right. Cowboys or Forty. But even if they even if they go two and two, okay. So let's say they go five and two the rest of the year. Yeah. They end the season at fourteen and three. Right. They're gonna they're gonna be the one seed. Like because you only need one loss from the Cowboys, one loss from the Niners, and one loss from the Lions. Mm-hmm. I believe because you're gonna win those tiebreakers no matter. What. I think, I'm not. I'm not certain you can like with the Lions. You could probably still lose that tiebreaker. I'd the have conference record come down to conference record. So you're saying, yeah. You're, well, I mean, there's a lot of games to play, so that you know, I, that can go either way. I, I would, I would imagine. I haven't looked that closely at it yet, but they, they, they're in decent shape with them on common opponents. Mm-hmm. 
So if they did have the same conference record, which is very possible. Lions only um, have one conference loss right now. They lost to the Seahawks state and they also So this this was a crucial win, this the Chiefs game yeah. for common opponents. I just said this versus yeah. the Lions. Oh, you did, I'm sorry. sorry. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I brought that up. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Um all right. Denise Selman corrected you on yes. that. I mean, it's still, you know, again, relatively speaking, it was one of the lesser important Eagles games this year in terms of the value of, like, you know, conference record and that whatnot. But getting into the weeds of it, yes, it did matter a little bit more than I gave it credit for. So shout out to that. Um, I guess final thoughts for me or like wrapping things up a little bit. Should mention Jalen Carter had that play, which everyone is talking about, where he dove under the offensive line to put his hand <laughs> under the spike because he saw it on YouTube at the end of the second quarter there, which <laughs> I think I wouldn't worry as much about intercepting it in that spot as just like trying to hit it up in the air as high as you can. Yeah, volleyball it, like, yeah. like bump it, like, like a volleyball. As yeah. high as you can because then you yeah. take those seconds off before and maybe it like hits a player too maybe or like maybe you know Mahomes somebody else somebody else intercepts it or yeah or someone else intercepts it or Mahomes like kind of like grabs it or something you know what I mean like or like right, and then it. he gets tackled and then yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, and then <laughs> right. boom and then the quarter's just over and you save three points so I kind of like I kind of like that angle to it more moving forward I like the attempt uh to get the interception but I think hitting it into the air should have been like the primary goal even over the cause even if you intercept it you're it's just the you're just gonna kneel it you know what i mean like he okay, yeah he intercepts it you kneel it but like okay just i, I think it's a lower percentage chance to actually catch it because it's you know he's launching it into the ground as much as you might be able to deflect it and have it it could bounce off Mahomes or bounce off a lineman or something and just keep, be in the air long enough to uh let the that would have been insane to let the half expire it just expires right that'd been pretty right. crazy uh, and a big deal but um, yeah, people like that play a lot, so that's fun. Yeah, speaking to YouTube, Bradley Roby said he was watching YouTube videos of Peanut Tillman. The Peanut Punch. And the only reason why, you know why? You know he was watching YouTube videos of him? Because he's the same number as him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he was complaining about, like, when he first got to the Eagles, he was complaining that 33 was, like, one of the only numbers available, and he was stuck That's with it. That's not a bad number. And I agree. It's, it's, I agree it's not a good number, but it's also not terrible. Especially like, for coming into the numbers. team late. Yeah, like, that's not terrible. So he was talking about that after the game with me, about how he's kind of come around to liking 33. Like, he's found other players that have worn 33 right. over the years. And he's like, okay, well, I like that guy. I like that guy. And the one that he really mentioned was Peanut Tillman. And he said he started watching Peanut Tillman videos on YouTube. And he had the <laughs> peanut punch <laughs> during the game. So, uh, yeah, th these two players for the Eagles, Jalen Carter and Bradley Roby, made play. Well, Jalen Carter didn't make a play, but tried to make a play. And Bradley Roby did make a play, maybe because they watched YouTube videos <laughs> of other players, which is kind of funny. It is funny. Um, and I think you mentioned it. We, we talked about Bayard and Roby having impacts. Yeah. Like credit to Howie Roseman yeah, for, yeah. and the, sure. and not just him, it's, you know, this, the personnel staff too, as a whole for acquiring Bayard for a low cost. Like that trade's already worth it now. I feel like you've already just, exactly. you've already justified the cost yeah, of the trade. You gave, up, you gave up nothing for him. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to well, oh you know what, what? You, you know who i wanted to mention too uh, like I, I think the guy that had the really just because you mentioned safeties the guy that had the really underrated you know stellar game in my opinion reed blankenship dude 
there were so many times where Isaiah Pacheco mm-hmm. or you know some other some other player got into the open field in the hole. And if baby. he doesn't make a tackle, yeah. like and like you know the the a lot of the plays that he made were like you know tackle for eight yards, tackle for nine, or tackle. Mm-hmm. But they could have been like fifty yard touchdown yep. runs if he doesn't make a tackle in the open field. Great call. So he did a lot of minimizing of damage. Uh, on plays where you know the Chiefs were set up to make a big play, and it only became like it was only a good play for the Chiefs instead of a great play. He's a really good player. He's not going to get Pro Bowl. I'm guessing he's not going to get like Pro Bowl honors this year. But like, I think he's he's setting him out. He, I think he's going to have a season where he could like reasonably be considered as a Pro Bowl snub. And then next year, if he continues on the same, if he has the same exact kind of season, but just next year, I think like next mm-hmm. year that's like a Pro Bowl player you're looking at there, um, and potentially he takes an even bigger jump. Yeah, he's Reed's awesome been been expecting big things out of him uh this season and he has more than delivered also milton williams i thought had an underrated game in this game he got hurt yes. and left with the Fran concussion Duffy pointed that out but like yeah. he was i mean it doesn't really fully show up in the box score you know in terms of like he didn't have like sacks or whatever but mm-hmm. i mean he was just like and you know the eagles run defense was struggling but when it wasn't it was because like milton williams was getting into the backfield and yeah. shutting things down and making really good tackles and that's kind of been just like it's been the case for reed this year like quietly been in some ways very good same thing with milton this season so him and also hey while we're at it and just naming people josh job has that special teams tackle to pin the yep. chiefs at their own nine yard line Braden Mann had some good punts in this game even though the weather was you know tough with the wind like you said and the rain and everything um Britton Covey with some big returns to help yep. set up the offense with good field position as he's done the whole season. Uh, so give a hat tip to Michael Clay as a whole here in that special teams unit. I thought sure. they kind of quietly, you know, did their part to help the Eagles win in this game. So um, that's all I've got. Yeah. Kadarius Tony had the one long punt return, but that was just, he's good. I mean, he's a, a good player. Play by it's tough. It was a great play by him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I thought the Eagles won on special teams in that game, which the Chiefs always have very good special teams yep. um, with Dave Taub or however you say his name, Tube, Taub, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so he's a longtime special teams coordinator. But um, yeah, uh, good, good, good mentions of Milton Williams and Josh Job and Britton Covey. Uh, Britton Covey is, by the way, I think it's fourth in the NFL now in punt return average at like like 14 and a half, somewhere around there. Which is really good. Like the the guys that are at like fourteen and at like that that are above him, they'll come down. Who do you know who's above he, him by chance? And if uh, not, do you know how many uh, returners in the NFC are better than him? In the NFC, I don't know. The three guys that are ahead of him all have touchdown returns, so that's why they're ahead of him. Um, he doesn't have any, and then I think there's only one guy behind him that has a, a, a touchdown return. Because like, could he be um, a Pro Bowler? Oh yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't returner. thought of that. <laughs> the Eagles are gonna have a lot of Pro Bowl guys this year. Of course. How many did they have <laughs> like, last year? Like ten? More? Twelve? I don't remember. And and not even like I think a lot of teams, you know, get a lot of Pro Bowl guys in because uh guys skip the Pro Bowl. But when you're the team that goes to the Super Bowl, you don't you, you, like you have no replacement players that go in to the Pro Bowl. So to have ten that are just in be, like out of, like after initial voting, it's kind of a little more impressive. I'm sorry, I'm just looking that up real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, who the other guys are. Okay, so it is sorting, sorting, sorting. Jimmy is looking for the Davis. Returners. Davis from the Chargers, 
uh, Darius Davis, I think he's really good. Okay. Um, AFC. I don't know who C. I don't know who C. Jones is for the Bengals. AFC. He, he has a touchdown. Re- yeah, AFC. And then Rashid Shahid. Um, oh, okay. From the Saints. Yeah, well, never mind. Sorry. So, yeah, it's gonna be. He'll get it because he's he he's a notable name. Yeah. But he so. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that Britton Covey specifically was crapping on Rashid Shahid. I was talking to Covey after I think the who did they play before the the, the Commanders in the, the Commanders locker room. I was talking to Covey about his return average, and he gets mad because he said he watches every punt return mm-hmm. every week. So I mean, every he should. That's all he NFL, does. He, he doesn't play an offense. He, like he should do exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> He does, right. He's the number five receiver, so he's got time to. He's, I asked him how long it takes him. Like and his he's like one three job hours. is return punts. <laughs> so he said three hours, and then in my mind, I was like, okay, well, that's not that big. It takes me an hour. It takes me three hours. Yeah, to break I mean, an they have great tools. You know, I'm sure that they <laughs> lets him easily do that right. like very quickly. So he watches every return in the league. So he knows what everyone else is doing, and he gets mad that like a lot of returners call fair catches yeah. when they could return it. Like they're probably not going to get a long return. Like they might only get like five or six yards or something like that. But they'll call the fair catch, and he thinks it's because they don't want to screw up their average. Oh, a hundred percent is. That's what NBA players do when like they don't attempt. Like they won't attempt full court shots or half court shots because like it's going to yeah. bring down their he average. He mentioned that. Yep. He said that same thing. He said he gave that same. Yep. Exa- the same yep. the same example. So, like, he's got eight fair catches on the season. The guy above him, as I mentioned, Rashid Shahid, has 20 fair catches on the season. Oh. And Covey has, Covey has 19 returns. Shahid has 17 mm. returns. So he, Covey's returning far more punts than attempting to return. For, by the way, Rashid Shahid plays in a dome, too. So it's a lot easier fielding punts. And you shouldn't be calling as many fair catches because like, you're outdoors and there's wind or whatever. You know, well, more reason to call a fair catch outdoors. Yeah. So, yeah, he was he didn't mention any names, <laughs> That's of course. He talking about. But he's like, but he's like, he's like, I got it in my head. The guys that like that call fair catches when they shouldn't be. That's interesting. It's a good Britain Covey talk here. <laughs> I mean, he's been he's been great. He's had a great season. Like. Yes, he deserves to be a pro bowler in my mind. He's been awesome as a, as a returner and has really helped out this offense at times. Um, he's maybe hurt because he doesn't also return kicks. Although, I mean, no one, who's who even returning kicks these days? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Any final thoughts about you, James? Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving Kansas coming City, up. A Kansas City parking lot, man. Yeah, tough. There's 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 nothing like it. No, I mean just oh. like the this the smells and the barbecue mm. that's going on there. It's pretty cool experience. I kind of like that. It's like an old kind of crappy stadium, Arrowhead, but also kind of cool at the same time. Like like the atmosphere is just there's something old school about it, and the fans were loud there. Like of there's course. no doubt that that their fans bring it. There's actually like a fair amount of Eagles fans there too. Like I, I'd put it at like 10, 15% Eagles fans in that that's stadium. That's pretty good for pretty impressive that for that stadium. Like that's a that's a legit fan base. But uh cool experience football wise, you know, going to see a game at Arrowhead and and like seeing their everyone's super polite out there too. <laughs> so like everyone's everyone's very nice. Uh but like yeah, walking through the uh the, the parking lot is kind of an experience going there unlike, you know, a lot of the other places that I've been to around the NFL. Did you see the clip of Sirianni talking ish to the cheese fans uh, in the tunnel? That was I did, around. and I think like like a couple minutes later, he was screaming at ESP. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I had heard about this. <laughs> he was screaming at ESP because I guess ESP had said uh, on the radio or on Twitter, maybe both. I don't know that um, that the Chiefs had the advantage at the uh, head coach slash quarterback. Yeah. 
department. You said Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are better than Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, uh-huh. which isn't a crazy argument. Of, like, it's not a crazy argument at all. But like Nick Sirianni was, he was like, wasn't like he was in his face, but he was like down the hallway a little bit uh, in the in the you know in the bowels of the of Arrowhead Stadium screaming at ESP uh, about that. So like he was kind of on a screaming tear, yelling at the Chiefs fan, and then like coming into the tunnel and as he was going to the locker room that's when he was screaming at ESP so those two things were probably like a minute apart <laughs> uh, I think some people see that not so much Eagle Sands but I think you know non-Eagle Sands see that and being like yo you know Sirianni is a a jerk oh he opposing fans hate but hate good things. if I you're mean, an Eagle Sands you should NFC's love that NFC's fans NFC's fans hate good that's exactly Gi- Giants fans Giants fans especially I know from the Dumpster Fire series hate him if the other fans like your coach something is going wrong you know what I mean? They're they're gonna like him <laughs> because he sucks. That's the only yeah. reason they're gonna like him. So uh Sirianni wins a lot. And good. It's good. And also like And not in like an LOL kind of way. Like like Eagles fans did not like Joe Judge. Yeah. But it was more in like, you know, LOL Joe Judge. Right. Where it's not LOL Nick Sirianni. It's just I hate that. Well, they guy. also lost to Joe Judge, I think, twice, so that wasn't good. <laughs> but uh right. Uh yeah. And also, like that's not Nick Sirianni being out of character too like that's who he is he's just he's legitimately kind of like a psycho and i love it because that's like that's like philadelphia energy like every yes. eagle sands are psychos it matches the coach energy matches the fan energy are you telling me like eagle sands aren't doing like the same kind of thing or don't have that same kind of energy after a game they have that ex- exact same kind of energy and they should they won they just nick Sirianni earned the right to do the talk by while he walked the walk and now he gets to talk the talk he went into arrowhead against andy reed who is never loses almost after a bye week and the chiefs never lose in that building. And they certainly very rarely lose when they're up 10 points in their own stadium. And the Eagles did something very hard to do. They emerged. They're nine and one. Nick Sirianni does get to talk. And I'm sure, you know, he was responding. I'm sure those chiefs hands were chirping him as any other opposing fans are in that tunnel, you know, at some point, like, you know, coming out, they're probably, yeah. you know, bringing up the fact he lost the super bowl or whatever. And, <laughs> right. you know, so Nick Sirianni's going to remember that and he wins. And Where he, are you now? Yeah, he wants to shove it back <laughs> right in their face. So, um, you yeah. know, it's all part of the game. He wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's it's a part of it. It's part of it. He's fine. He's fired up. It's it's genuine. It's authentic. That's always the thing with Sirianni, I think. Um, if he's being, you know, not authentic, that's another thing. You can, you can rip him for that. But um, this is who he is. And it just I respect it. It's I it is what it is. I agree. Okay, my final thought is a uh, happy Thanksgiving. We are thankful, as we like to say, I believe, every year, you know, for everyone listening, downloading, reviewing, rating. We appreciate all that. We'll certainly have a great time seeing you all at Wrong Crowd Beer Company in Westchester, PA, on November 30th for that Cowboys Seahawks watch, like hate watch party thing we have going on. It'll be a great time. So, uh Yeah. And thankful for all the great people in my life, uh, my family. So let's keep it short and sweet and say I'm very thankful ahead of this Thanksgiving. Well said. Thanks, Jimmy. Yes. Okay. This has been BGN Radio 366. You can check out our social media and sponsor information in the episode description. Jimmy and I will be back with you later this week. I believe we'll be recording on Friday for our Eagles Bills preview podcast. Very exciting. Can also react to a big, 
I mean, this Thanksgiving slate is a great one for Eagles fans in terms of you get to root against all like the other top teams. It's three in a row. Yeah, it's like so you get to root <laughs> against the Lions in the first slot as they play the Packers. You get to root against the Cowboys as they play the Commanders in the second slot. And then you get to root against the 49ers in the third slot. So you have a yeah. vested rooting interest in every game. Now, you know, it's going to be tough for the uh the all of those ups it's very unlikely that all of those upsets happen of course um i actually did the odds with that as like a parlay with rj on the mixtape it was like plus uh-huh. 3242 or something like you know obviously very unlikely but even if just one of those upsets happen like the eagles will certainly be happy with that they will sign up for Who the lions play the packers <clears throat> Packers, okay. And then the 49ers have the Seahawks, 49ers right? play, uh, play, but that's in Seattle, I believe. So, you know, it's a it's a road game for the 49ers, but the Lions and Cowboys are at home against the Packers. And- By the way, qu- quick note, the Eagles play the 49ers next week. So the 49ers have a, they have a mini-buy before that game. And then the Eagles play the Cowboys the week after that. The Cowboys have a mini buy before that game. This is a tough. It's kind of BS. I, I was I was pointing this out to RJ. Uh, so including, um, well, first of all, it, I think it kind of starts with the bye week. Like the Eagles didn't even get the advantage of having extra rest on an opponent. Like it was just neutral because they played. Yeah. And it was neutral against the team and the head coach who's like incredible coming off the bye week. So really kind of yeah. like a disadvantage, even though the Eagles have been good on, off the bye week too. And then, yeah, then you play the Bills on a short week because you're going Monday to Sunday. So that's kind of tough already. Mm-hmm. And it's a road Monday to Sunday in terms of you're on the road, you're traveling back home. You don't get in until, like, you know, Tuesday. Um, and then, yes, as you mentioned, they play the 49ers coming off rest on a Thursday game. Then they play the Cowboys coming off rest on a Thursday, coming off of a Thursday game for the Cowboys in Dallas on a Sunday. And then they have to go not a re- right, get the flight home and then the flight out right, to Seattle. Not a rest disadvantage, but you have to go from <laughs> Dallas back to Philly yeah. to Seattle. So yeah, it, it is a tough. In addition to like being a tough schedule and, and tough the opponents, opponents yeah, 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 the yeah. machinations of the schedule make it even more tough. But hey, if the Eagles pull it through, like that makes their that gives them all that much more credibility and it makes them all mu- that much more right. impressive. So it makes the run through the playoffs seem like, t- uh, you know, benign, exactly like by they, they're, be, yeah. they're being forged in the fire here through this stretch. Like if they can do this, I think this is one thing I meant to mention earlier. Sorry, wrapping up here, but character building. Yeah. Like, well, I always think about how, you know, you mentioned this and I, and I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before back in like 2013, the Seahawks, you know, the Legion of Boom, the prime era Seahawks. I remember you talking about how, you heard there were like people in the NFL who felt like the Seahawks believed they couldn't lose. Like they had such a level of confidence and it was like scary to other teams because obviously they can lose. It's football. Like they're not actually invincible, but, and obviously every team has some level of confidence in themselves, but it was like a different level. It was like a, a whole new tier of like, no one Mm -hmm. can beat us. And like, they just, they were so locked in on that. And that's part of what made them dangerous. In addition to being really talented, they had this such Mm -hmm. mental fortitude that they just could not be beaten. And when, even when teams would beat them for, I remember for that stretch for a long time when Russell Wilson was there and they were at their peak, they're all like one score games. Like the games they would lose were extremely close. Like it was really hard to beat them. And so, you know, we talk about the Eagles and how they're winning these one score games and whatnot. Some of that is luck because traditionally one score games tend to be but i think part of it is some of that mindset of just like hey we've been here before 
Like we're not going to panic. We're we've done it. We've literally been down and come back. So we, we know we can, they have a level of confidence that I think is different than other teams in those spots. And I think again, part of that is because of the quarterback who um, remains steady and the team takes on his personality. So, so part of it is luck, but I think part of it is the DNA of this team. Yeah. Also uh, to the Seahawks point, never really getting blown out. The Eagles don't get blown out either. Same. Just, it doesn't right. happen. And that did happen to the Vikings, like you mentioned, for the people comparing them to them. <laughs> right. I mean, the one loss this year is by six points, right, to the Jets. Like, that's their one loss. Well, uh, did they get a late? T- I don't remember. If they- well, I'm thinking of the Commanders. I think it was 2014. They got the they got the they got the late touch, like the 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 BS touchdown on like you know the the lateral play. Like, oh, yeah, last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was a one, was that was a yeah. one-score game. That was, yeah. That, right, but it ended, up be, it ended up being two scores because they scored, I think, Casey Twohill maybe <laughs> scored on, on the... What did they lose by <laughs> when they had the Saints The Saints game? Was that one score last year? I mean, it was Minshew starting. I believe it was. No, actually, yeah, it was not. I think it, it was, was a 10-point game, but I mean, again... Oh, it's, it's tw- I think it was 20 to 10. 20 to 10, Gardner Minshew. But, but again, it's not Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's a, and even though you had to back up, you still only lost by 10. Anyway, okay. Let's wrap this up for real again. We'll be back later this week. Hope everyone has a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And we look forward to previewing Eagles versus Bills. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.